to the reading of his word. Thank you, Mark. Well, we are continuing on in our hostage series, and this is week number two. Um, last weekend, we heard a fantastic message um, brought by Pastor Dave, our lead pastor, and it was all about bitterness and did I get a lot of comments at the door about that message? Who here was affected by that message? Oh my goodness, we were um, actually uh, challenged to make that choice between um, going down the highway of bitterness and unforgiveness or being on the path of grace and, and, and of peace and, and forgiveness. And that is a real challenge um, that we all face as we take a look at times when people have hurt us or times when people have done us wrong. What are we going to do with that? And he really challenged us with that. But another area I believe that can hold us captive, that we can be hostage to, and the subject of that is t today's topic, is worry. You know, the New Testament word for worry, and here is where I work with Brent Hudson, who is like a biblical scholar and a Greek scholar. He said, now, Carolyn, you have to pronounce it correctly. So I have other biblical scholars here as well. So you can report to Brent how I made out with the pronunciation. It is, it is called marim na'a'o. Marim na'a'o. Worry. And it is one of these words that is used in the New Testament. It has two senses. The same word is used um, and has two senses in the New Testament. So just like many words in the English language, there are two senses. There can be positive and negative connotations. I'm sure you can think of words right now um, that would fit into that category. Like, for instance, the word cheap. You know, you can say, oh, hey, I went to the Walmart and I got this bargain. It was real cheap. And that's the positive connotation, right? But we all know the negative connotation. Well, don't expect to get anything from him. He's so cheap, right? Well, it's the same with this word that is used um, in the New Testament for worry in, the pa in some of the passages that we're going to talk about today. So the first sense where this word is used um, can be used for genuine concern. So you can have a genuine concern for someone. Philippians 2.20, the Apostle Paul uses this same word. He says, I have no one else like Timothy who genuinely cares about your welfare. And other translations say genuinely concerned. Now this is the positive use of this word. Um, this type of worry that is like a genuine concern is rooted out more in the sense of love and care for someone or the concern over a situation. And it can actually be a catalyst for us to be able to play the movie out on situations in our lives and it actually can help us to make some positive changes, okay, if we have genuine concern. If worry brings me to my need and makes me plead with God, it can be actually constructive. Now, this type of worry actually might be wise. And you would say, well, how come that might be wise? Well, it can lead us to make plans, to take action, maybe put safety precautions into place. Um, for instance, we can be worried about our health. Well, that can actually lead to positive action, especially if you're saying, well, maybe I should cut it down to one cake a day instead of two, or maybe I ought to go for a walk. I mean, if you're worried about your health and that causes you to take some positive action, that's a great thing, isn't it? I mean, that's a constructive concern. 
worried about our children's welfare can lead us to take actions. You know, whether they're small, so we, we uh, childproof our household, or maybe if they're older, you know, we can set boundaries with our children. That is a healthy um, type of care and concern. Or worry about our financial future. That can lead us to taking some positive steps um, in living simply and maybe starting a savings account or, or taking a look at our finances and being wise. Positive concern. Are you with me? Do you get this sense of worry? Yes? All right, that's great. Now the other sense of this word is found when Jesus uses it in our main passage that we had Mark Hansen read this morning. Uh, Matthew 6, 25 to 34. In this sense, it means excessive fear about the future. And that's another, another way of putting that is over worry. All right? So Jesus says, um, this is why I tell you not to worry about everyday life, whether you have enough food and drink or enough clothes to wear. Isn't life more than food and your body more than clothing? So here, Jesus is using the same word, but it has a negative meaning to it. Here it means to have excessive fear about the future. Excessive fear about the future. It's more than just worry, it's over-worry. The energy expended in this type of worry can be so destructive. And we can see that. You know, for, for those of us who have experienced over-worry, what happens? The thought comes in, and that it eats away at you. And it just natters in your mind. And you find that you can't sleep. It's, it just overtakes you. And, you know, um, you, you, you just... You just you just don't even want to seek God in this. You don't even pray about it. You just, it just overtakes you. Now, according to psychologists, worry is the common thread um, that runs through many mental health disorders. Well, there's quite a connection there, isn't there? There's a general anxiety disorder where worry is the dominant feature. It's also linked to physical illness. I mean, what happens to your body when you are excessively concerned about the future or something's on your mind. I don't know about you, but I get a knot in my stomach and I get, you know, it hurts. So it comes out physically as well. And it's so interesting. Worry is never something that we think about in the past or we think about in the present. Worry is always out there in the future. It's always what's going to happen if you know, I find that interesting. Worry lives in the future. It's that math test, that doctor's appointment, that financial report. What if I flunk that test? What if the doctor's report is bad? What if they fire me? <laughs> well, we try and to think and plan our way out of impending trouble. It's all what if. What's going to happen if? There's no way to deal with it immediately. It's never in the present. It's that potential thing that's going to happen out there. It's that thing in the bushes, you know? And there is this huge sense of helplessness. And you can get paralyzed. This is what happens. Um, it's this sense that we're, that we're using when we refer to worry for the rest of the message. It's this sense of the word that we want to use. It's that excessive um, fear and anxiety about the future. So the question is, why do we worry? Why do we worry? Because I, I saw him, Pastor Dave, he had posted that he was preaching. We were preaching on worry this weekend. And I saw many people answer his question he put up on Facebook. You know, why do we worry? And uh, I saw one common thread was um, this quote about, you know, it's like being in a rocking chair. It takes a lot of effort, but you're going nowhere. 
So why do we do it? You know, why do we worry? Well, we kind of boiled down where worry starts um, in our message planning this weekend. We boiled it down to two things. Self-centered ambition was the first thing that we figured out. Um, Matthew 6.33 says, Seek the kingdom of God above all else and live righteously, and he will give you everything you need. Everything you need. Now, over-worry is anxiety that is held inside. And it's not God-centered, but it's self-centered. And it distracts us and takes us off task. Away, our focus goes away from God, and it hinders our spiritual growth if we get too far down into it. And it hinders our relationship with God. God's desire for us is that we have absolute, undistracted devotion to him. That's his ultimate desire for us undistracted devotion to him. Wow, what would that be like? Undistracted devotion. And we can have God-centered ambitions, there's a choice here, or we can have self-centered ambitions. And if we're honest, most of our worries, if we're really honest here, are due to, cons are due to choices that we have made that were not God-centered choices. Now you can just go down the list in your mind of things that you're worried about and can you connect it with things and choices that were not God-centered? We've made life decisions about something and we didn't pray about it. Or we didn't seek advice from others that we know who love and trust us. And now we're fearful about how it's all going to play out. What's going to happen now? Maybe it was an unwise spending choice. Maybe you bought something and didn't wait to save for it and now... Your, your finances are in jeopardy, and now you're worried. Or maybe it was a temptation that you gave in to, and now you're anxious about the consequences. Why did I do that? What's going to happen now? Or maybe because you decided to ignore God's voice on a relational issue, and you can't see your way out, and now you're filled with anxiety. You see, that's the self-centeredness of it. When we take our eyes off of what God is calling us to do, and it causes us to be over-worried. And it distracts us from his kingdom, seeking his kingdom. And his priorities, and his righteousness. And living a life that's fully submitted to God. So the question is, where is your focal point and where's my focal point? We have a choice to either make ourselves the focal point. It can be all about me. That's an easy one. I love to do that. I'd like to make myself the focal point. But I have a choice. If I make myself the focal point, I'm going to get myself in trouble. I need to make the choice to make God the focal point. He's got to be the focal point. And Jesus is saying that for the believer, the kingdom of God and living under his authority is to be the priority of our lives as Christ followers. That's where we're to focus our energy. But not only does worry start with self-centered ambition, but it also begins with unbelief. Unbelief. We take a look at Matthew 6.30. It says, And if God cares so wonderfully for wildflowers that are here today and thrown in the fire tomorrow, he will certainly care for you. Why do you have so little faith? Jesus is highlighting here the absurdity of worrying about our daily needs. He said in Psalm 147.9, it also says, He gives food to the wild animals and feeds the young ravens when they cry. God is looking after his creation. 
And we are made in his image. We are the only creatures that are made in his image. So he even cares for us even more. And if God is the source of our life, which is our primary importance to him, will he not provide the things that are necessary for us to live? Will he? Will he provide? Are you all asleep? <laughs> wakey, wakey. Will God provide us our every need if we are made in his image, if we are the pinnacle of his creation, if he loves us more than the birds of the air? Will he provide for us? Yes. yes. He will. But do we believe that? Ah. Unbelief. I think I've connected the dots here. You know, we say that he will provide all that we need that's necessary for, for us to live. But this doesn't mean we can sit back and say, okay, gimme, gimme, start providing. That's not, I mean, even the birds have to work, right? They don't just fly around with their beaks open waiting for worms to drop out of the sky from God. No. Well, it's the same with us. You see, the difference is the birds work, but they don't worry. You see? And if we could be just like those birds that they work to get their food. They have to dig in our lawn. They have to, right? They have to find the worms. So we still need to be wise and plan and work. But this passage is really addressing having anxiety over these things. And Matthew 6.32 says, These things dominate the thoughts of unbelievers, but your heavenly Father already knows all your needs. If you and I say we believe in God, it has to make a difference. Faith has to make a difference in our lives. It has to. Does belief in God make a difference when it comes to worry? It has to. It's easy to say we believe, but if we aren't careful, we can be living like functionally like atheists, like we don't believe. Jesus is calling us to live differently because we believe in and trust God's fatherly care for us. And unlike most in our culture, we know that there's more to life than just this life. And we know that God is going to provide for us. We see him as the source of our provision as we look beyond the material. See, he doesn't want us to be so focused on our material needs that we forget the kingdom, the building of the kingdom. We can get really caught up in that. And so worry is a reality for all of us at some level. We all worry. There's no doubt about it. But here's the good news. We have a choice that we can make. We can choose to take the highway of worry that everybody else is on, okay? We can take the highway to worry, or we can take the pathway that leads to peace of mind. How many here would like to have peace of mind? Peace of mind. What choice do we need to make to break free from worry? Well, we can choose to trust in God. Choose to trust in God. You and I get to make a choice and no one else can make it for us. No one else can make it. We can make a choice in that moment when that thought starts to attack us. When the what ifs start to crash in. What if, what if, what if? When they begin to overtake us, we can capture those thoughts and we can make them obedient to Christ. In that moment, we can have a choice. We can think like someone who's an unbeliever who chases after all the things that God has promised 
that he will provide for us, or we can believe in God of the universe. I love the song with, you know, the God of angels' armies. Like, do we believe that? Is always by my side. I know who goes before me. I know who goes behind. We sang that this morning. Do we believe that? We have a choice. We have a choice. The God of the universe is who he is, says he is. He is who he says he is. He will do what he says he will do. He will keep his promises. He is faithful and he is trustworthy. He is trustworthy. We can trust in so many other things. We can trust in our bank accounts. We can trust in our... We can trust in so many things that are not trustworthy. But God is trustworthy. Proverbs 3, 5 to 6 says, Trust in the Lord with all your heart. Lean not on your own understanding. Do any of you know the rest of this verse? But in all your ways, acknowledge him and he will direct your paths or make your paths straight. Trust in the Lord with all your heart. Don't lean on your own understanding. But you say, how? How do I trust in God? You just don't know what I'm facing. How do I trust in him? What does that look like? Well, I'm going to suggest there are two things that we can do to trust in God, to build that trust. Look to God in prayer. Philippians 4, 6 and 7 says, Don't worry about anything. Instead, pray about everything. Now, can you read the rest with me? Tell God what you need and thank him for all he has done. Keep going. Then you will experience God's peace, which exceeds anything we can understand. His peace will guard your hearts and minds as you live in Christ Jesus. Wow. There is a, it's, it's a command and a promise, right? Don't worry about anything. But instead, we're to what? We're to pray about everything. And oh, not just pray, but what else are we supposed to do? Be thankful. Be thankful for what God has done. What has he done for us? He sent his son. He's given us an opportunity to experience love and forgiveness and a life dependent on him and we can trust him. We're to put God first in our thoughts. I don't know about you, but I don't go right to God as soon as a worry comes in. I don't go right there. I start trying to problem solve myself first and then, uh, you know. But he's saying, no, if we can change our minds on this, if we can train our minds to go first to God and to automatically go to prayer, take what you're worried about and tell God about it. Have you ever just told him? And he already knows. But the exercise of us actually like agreeing with God and, 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 and being able to name it. Just tell him. Go to God's word and meditate on his promises. Ask God to steer your attention into the present moment. Not be thinking about the future. Because there's enough worries, right, for tomorrow. We're going to just deal with today. We just deal with today. And ask him if there's something that he wants you to do in the present moment that will relieve the fear. Or is this something that's totally out of your control that you have to let go and you have to trust in him? 
right? Because there are some things, like we said at the first of the message, there are some things that we can do, that, that worry can lead us as a catalyst to make some changes. So, Lord, is this a situation where you can give me some guidance here on what I can do, because I will do what you want me to do in this situation, or is this a situation where it's out of my control? So what situation are you in right now that you have to give to God because you cannot do anything to change it? And I'd like you to repeat after me something. I'm going to say it first. I will give to God in prayer what I cannot do. Can you say that with me? I will give to God in prayer what I cannot do. I will do the things that God, you know, guides me and tells me that I can do. But I will give to God in prayer the things that I cannot do. The things that I cannot do. And no matter, even if he does something else, maybe it's not, I don't know what to pray, and, and maybe he's going to do something else. No matter what happens, no matter what, I will trust in God. Whoa, that's a test. No matter what, I will trust in God. The second thing is, give your cares to God. And be specific. Be specific. First uh, Peter 5, 7, it's in your outline. Give all your worries and cares to God, for he cares about who? He cares about you. But you know what? I think we stand here and we go, well, no, he cares about Rhea more than he cares about me. He cares about Blake more than he cares about me. No, he cares about you. Puts a mirror up. He cares about me. And another translation says, cast all your anxiety on him because he cares for you. Now, the idea of casting your cares, you know, um, you can just picture this round net, and you're out in a fishing boat, and you're out in the middle of the water, and, and it's this round net that you throw out. You cast it. You hurl it. You throw it. Right? That's what that image to me, I just see this round net being hurled out into the, as far as you can throw it casting your cares but you know what I think sometimes we do instead we cast a line a line with a hook on it we go and then what happens we reel it back in no we're supposed to cast cast our cares we're literally supposed to cast them away from us and throw them to God because he can handle them He's got us. He's got our backs. And we can trust our lives and our troubles to God. And in doing this, we have the certainty that he cares for us. And he's not going to let us down. He's not going to let us down. And in this verse, when it says he cares for you, this literally means it matters to him about you. It matters to him about you. And then we just take another um, passage from Matthew. Matthew 10. It says, What is the price of two sparrows? One copper coin. But not a single sparrow can fall to the ground without your father knowing it. You remember that old song? You know, his eye is on the sparrow, right? And the very hairs on your head are all numbered. Now this is amazing to me. Because every time you brush your hair, if you have any... Sorry, Gil. <laughs> Every time you brush your hair, the count changes. How does he keep track of that? That's pretty amazing to me. 
Every hair, all the hairs on your head are numbered. So don't be afraid. You are more valuable to God than a whole flock of sparrows. The good news is, we no longer have to be held hostage to worry because Jesus has paid the ransom, ultimately. He's paid the ransom. He has set us free from sin and from death. And we know this because we can read it. But now you are free from the power of sin and have become slaves of God. Now you do those things that lead to holiness and result in eternal life. For the wages of sin is death, but the free gift of God is what? Eternal life through Jesus Christ our Lord. We can, Jesus has paid our ransom. While we may all be anxious about an uncertain future... We can know that ultimately, if we put our faith and trust in Christ, our eternal future is secure and sure. Ultimately, ultimately, sin is no longer your master, for you no longer live under the requirements of the law. Instead, you live under the freedom of God's grace. Is this good news? Okay, everybody, is this good news? Yes. This is the best news ever. So as we come to a close... Um, I'm going to call the band up right now as we come to a close. You know, I'd like us all to just be thinking right now about what is that thing? Is it a genuine concern that's moving you to take an action that's going to be a positive use of your energy? Or is it an excessive fear about the future? Excessive fear. It's keeping you up at night. It's giving you stomach pain. It's taking your eyes off of your relationship with God. It's affecting you spiritually. And that's because it, that type of worry is sin. It's, it's sin. And God says if we are his people, we, we don't need to have that excessive worry about anything. close, you know, some of you might say that you've been held hostage by worry, and in fact, some of you might say, you know what, Pastor Carolyn, I am a chronic worrier. Chronic. Like, this is a situation. And so, you know, you might think it's funny, but may I suggest that perhaps maybe you just take it, need to take a step to kind of wean yourself off of worry. Um, one of the articles that we read on about uh, preparing for this message talked about having a 20-minute a worry control time, a plan. 20 minutes. So 20 minutes of every day, that is your time to worry. You can write out all your worries and keep it to 20 minutes. And if you need more time, just stop that. If you have more worries, put it in a penalty box and say, you know what, I'm going to start for my 20-minute worry plan tomorrow. I'll put that in. Because I want to have, well, how many minutes, how many hours is it now? 20 minutes a day. I want to have 24 hours and 40 minutes of no worry. And maybe schedule that at night. Wouldn't that be awesome? But for some of us, it's that first step to say, here's what I'm going to allow myself to do. I'm going to allow myself to have 20 minutes. I'm going to write it all out, and then I'm going to set it aside, and I'm going to have the rest of my day blissfully unworried. But others of you might say, well, there is something that I have been worried about, and I just need to acknowledge it before God today. I just need to acknowledge it and confess it. And all of us can say, yeah, Worry has been an issue. It's been an issue. 
And so, you know, how many of you right now, um, how many of you right now recognize that not only is worry unhealthy, it's, it's unproductive? How many of you would acknowledge that? Yeah, it's, it's not healthy. And it's, and it's unproductive. It's wrong. And it hurts the heart of God. And he's saying, cast your cares. Make it a round net, not, not a fishing line with a hook. Cast your cares, he's saying. Let's pray. us when we have those runaway thoughts that lead us to be anxious about the future. Lord, show us what it means to take them captive and make them obedient to Christ. Your word says that we can have the mind of Christ. Please align our thinking with yours today. And God, we know that you teach us to do what is wise and Lord, help us to act on wisdom, not just hearing your word, but doing what it says. And then, Lord, please speak specifically to us about our situation. And we'll do what you lead us to do. And then, Father, there are so many things that we try to give to you, but we take them back. Because in our view, Lord, and please forgive us, for some of us, we just don't think that you're reliable or that you're big enough to handle it. And God, please forgive us for that. Expand our understanding, Lord, of who you are. I am convinced, Father, that if we had even a glimpse of who you are, we would not be worried about anything. Expand our understanding of who you are. May we understand just how big and how powerful you are and how just and how good you are. And then, God, may we just cast our cares on you because we know that you are big enough to handle them and because you love and you care for us. I know there are some people here today who need to really know that you care, that you, that, that, that they matter to you. Father, we just want to tell you, we just want to give it all to you. And as by faith we surrender our worries to you, we just want to tell you that we trust you, Lord, no matter what reason for that is because of your love displayed to us through the cross of Christ. And Father, I just ask that today there would be those who would just surrender to you their worries and their anxieties and their fears and trust in you, Lord. Help us to take that step today. You have given us a spirit of power, love, and self-discipline, not one of fear, not one of timidity, Lord. And I just ask today that you would help us to surrender to you. And we thank you that you